Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to another episode of The Creative Minority. And this week we have an extremely exciting topic, one that I've been waiting months to discuss, and it's the topic of Islam and anime. Um, and I'm, I'm so fortunate to have someone like Dr. Naoki Yamamoto join us, who is currently an assistant professor at the Graduate School of Turkic Studies in Marmara University. He completed his PhD at the Graduate School of Asia, uh, of Asia and African Studies in, at Kyoto University in 2018. He specializes in, in Ottoman tasawwuf and traditional Japanese culture. And his publications include a Japanese translation of a famous uh, uh, tasawwuf text of, on Islamic spirituality, which is a comparison with shonen manga. Um, thank you for joining us, Dr. Naoki. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you um, So those who know me, they know that uh, I'm, I'm a very big fan of anime. And anime has been a massive part of my childhood, at least for the last 10, 10 to 15 years. Um, and so as I began to study Islam um, and I began to read some of your works, uh, it really opened up a new door for me. For trying to, you know, trying to see how these two disciplines, how these studies can relate with one another. And um, recently you've been working on a project that is called the introduction to Sufism slash Islamic spirituality through key concepts of manga. Um, do you mind giving us like a brief explanation of what some of the work you're doing is related to? Uh, yes. Uh, before talking about my recent work, uh, I would like to explain my experiences that how I became Muslim shortly. Uh, so I became Muslim like 13 years ago. And at the time I was studying at the uh, undergraduate school, uh, undergrad program at the Doshisha University. And actually it's a Christian university in Japan. And I was a Christian and the, uh, but the, I was hoping to study the other religion as well. And I will, and I have read lots of like books about uh, the other religion, not only the Christianity or the Islam and the Taoism or the Buddhism or the Confucianism. And I found uh, I found one book uh, which is written by the uh, first Japanese female Adim. Can, can you see this one? Sure. Yes. yes. Uh, uh, it's, the title is Yasashi Kamisama no Hanashi. It's, it's about like a book about the God. Kamisama means God in Japanese. Mm -hmm. And and first I took this book, I read this book, I didn't, I didn't notice that it is a book about Islam uh, because this book is written with a completely like a vernacular and uh, like a Japanese language. It, the, the author didn't even use the word like Allah or the Prophet Muhammad She tried to articulate the concept of divinity or the concept of the humanity in Islam with a completely like a pure, like a, not, not, I'm not saying pure, but you know, like a, uh, how do you say, like Japanese language, which developed through like, you know, the art, like spirituality. But when I first finished with, uh, when I finished reading this book, I noticed that, you know, this author uh, was, you know, Japanese Muslim and that was a really, uh, and and this book is actually guided me to accept the Islam because mm -hmm. this book helped me to realize how important 
to articulate the Islamic concept in like a vernacular like a language, like not just not introducing those like Islamic values or the virtue uh, with kind of like alien like you know the terminologies for us, but as as long as we uh, but this also taught me that if we really know about our local culture and our local tradition, actually it will open the door for like non-Muslim like audiences mm -hmm. to accept. Uh, those like Islamic strategy because this is also my experiences too. And why I'm telling this story because uh, my recent project is also shared like the same vision. Hmm. You know, in the Shoe Asia company, uh, I have started uh, the project called Introduce Introduction to Tasawo through the keywords of the shonen manga, not only anime but shonen manga. And this Shoe Asia is like a, it's like a model yeah, in Japan. So Shueisha is the publisher uh, which published like One Piece or the Naruto or the Samurai X and the Demon Slayer. Like this is uh, kind of like one of the, the biggest you know, publisher who published like a shonen, uh, shonen manga. And I have, so I get to know, uh, so I got the chance to get to know with the uh, one of the editor in Shueisha, uh, Shueisha publisher. And and he was interesting uh, about like you know the starting kind of like a web essay series about the introducing like in the, uh, Islamic history or mm -hmm. the what is concept and and at the time you know I was just we were just having like you know, the uh, informal conversations that uh, and and I told him that how those young Muslim generation uh, especially in Turkey because now I work in Turkey so these Turkish young Muslims are really uh, really interesting in the like Japanese shonen manga or animation, and they are even like more otaku than any, than ordinary like Japanese. <laughs> what does and, otaku mean? Can you explain to people what otaku means? Otaku is kind of like a nerd uh, in English. Uh, it has like a negative meaning and positive meaning for the last, but I think the last ten years, like an otaku, is somehow gained some like citizenship in Japan. So now, <laughs> now people are not like uh, like shame of you know calling themselves otaku. For example, I. I am also like a Japanese anime otaku, so it means that someone who really like a, a huge fan of you know, Japanese like pop culture. Okay. And what is it? And I told him that you know one of my Turkish friends, uh, he was also the same age. He told me that you know he like he loved Naruto and about the ninja manga and a publisher. Uh, he loved Naruto because uh, not because it's like Japanese manga, but he said he he can he could found find like a lots of like similar concept which can be found like in a, uh, like a Sufi literature and mm -hmm. it was really shocking for me too because the uh, before that I was uh, I was thinking that you know those you know, Jap Turkish students uh, they love like Japanese manga animation because it's exotic like this ninja or samurai I don't know harakiri or something like so I thought you know this is kind of orientalism you know uh, within mm -hmm. Muslim, Muslim countries but but it seemed that you know these, uh, you know, uh, at, at least that student, he took the Japanese pop culture so seriously, and he said that you know there is coming like you know a hidden link, a special link between like a Japanese culture and Turkish culture. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I was the uh, I think I, I was a master's student, and that I didn't take it seriously. But when I about to finish like a PhD program, uh, I think like five six years ago something like. 
that I was the uh, I was reading like hundreds or hundreds of the classical Sufi literature. Like I was a little bit like crazy at the time yeah, to finish the PhD for uh, PhD thesis. But I also started to become convinced that uh, that I was reading one Sufi classic book, and I felt that as if some kind of like a character in Naruto were writing mm. those book, and and even in my heart, like you know, there's a the kind of idea like uh, the, like appeared to me that that there is kind of possibility that I could also explain those pop uh, Japanese pop culture with the classical like Islamic terminologies, and mm. I'll and I believe that it, ha it has a huge potential because now in Japan. Uh, in Japan as well, there are so many discourses about like in Islam, but the most of the discourses are influenced by the, the American media, mm -hmm. and not like a, a not like a pro-Islamic media. Like they always try to like uh, to make like Islamic culture like an alien, and in 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 the best sense, and also even they have the good intentions, they always try to depict this in Islamic culture as like exotic things. And the worst thing is they always talk about like uh, they always try to connect like you know, uh, Islam with like a terrorism. You know, it's a really typical thing. Mm -hmm. And even though when they talk about like the Muslims in Japan, they always talk about like these Muslims are just like immigrants or the expat living in Japan, like a temporary. You know, mm -hmm. the people who are not who don't have any intention to live uh, live in Japan for long term. Or yeah, they will talk about. Like let's try to, uh, and some media says that it's important to understand Islamic culture, but it, on the surface, is it looks that they have a good intention, but they ne they never try to understand this Islamic culture. It is something within us, like in the Japanese society. Like mm -hmm. my experience makes it clear. Like, but in Japan as well, like we uh, we also already have like a second generation or third generation Muslims, like even. Like they have like uh, they have the, their ethnic roots from uh, outside of Japan, but they're also Japanese. Like mm -hmm. uh, they are like Pakistani Japanese, they are Bangladesh Japanese, they are Indonesian Japanese. Like they are Muslim who have like who uh, uh, they also inherit you know the Pakistani cultures or in or Indonesian cultures mm -hmm. or, or Bengali cultures. But they they are also grew up in Japan, and we must not exclude. Uh, and they are also the part of a Japanese society. And now. And if you look at the Japanese history, uh, actually we have uh, we have a con contact with the with the Islamic world uh, for like two hundred years. So, but since we don't have like we don't we didn't train ourselves intellectually to uh, locate those the like, Japanese Muslim within society, or we 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 didn't train ourselves to articulate those Islamic concepts within the vocabulary. Like Islam or the Muslim or Islamic culture has remained like alien, like the, the outside mm. of society, and and also like Muslim living in Japan, like including me, like we are not trained enough. Like when I uh, when when we ask uh, to explain about Islam or introduce like Islam you know, or Islamic history or Islamic concept, you know, we uh, we always trying to uh, explain Islam with. Uh, with something which is not familiar to like a Japanese society, because then it, it, it's almost as if Islam is alien to the culture, right? Uh, yes, like 
uh, example, there is uh, there uh, sometime those so-called like a Muslim die, like a mm -hmm. camp came uh, come to Japan, and they they try they try to explain about like Islamic concept, but they always talk about like you know, what is the concept of Allah, what is, what is the Prophet Muhammad, or mm -hmm. uh, how important to place Salat, or how important to pay the zakat, or like fasting. And I'm not denying this. Uh, of course, it's important. Like you know, being Muslim is believing Allah or being the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But but what is important that every society have their own way to get convinced. It means like in the uh, what I found, uh, what is the problem about this so-called like tabliq or like a dawah thing is that you know the uh, the most of these uh, those so-called dais they apply the same method what they're doing in Europe or in America. But the American mindset or European mindset and Japanese mindsets are different. Like for Japanese, like we are more like a practical person. So uh, uh, as long as you, uh, as long as our discourse like stay in like a metaphysical or like philosophical discourse, uh, it will never convince like a Japanese. Like mm -hmm. Japanese always want to see how the each of the individual Try to symbolize those concepts or embody those concepts. Like they, they want to see the manifestation, and this is actually the cultural background of the you know uh, of the shonen manga too. Like uh, we also have like a great philosopher or like a great intellectual. But one of the reasons why the Japanese people love the shonen manga because shonen manga is about the human history. It's a human is narratives about the mm -hmm. like, human life and how. Each of these character try to try to digest their experiences and try to embody some kind of like you know, a traditional Japanese virtue in the story, even though it's a fiction. So, mm -hmm. so Japanese want to see like you know, the, the this uh, manifestation of of the kind of like a divine, you know, according to our context. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> and I thought, and now uh, I believe. Uh, so, so even when we try to introduce Islam, like you know, we should avoid uh, like a like a philosophical word or even the words like as long as possible. Like you know, that introducing Islam is not introducing about the concept of the God. We're introducing about the concept of the, pro the prophecy. Like something, sometimes even just one practice or even just depiction of the practice of the Muslim could be enough. For the Japanese audiences to understand its importance, mm -hmm. and and, and uh, I have started this introduction to Tasawo with a key concept with the, uh, of the Sufi like a terminology is that I want Japanese audiences to uh, to notice that the vocabulary or the Japanese vocabulary or the Japanese like a culture itself has like a potential. To uh, to articulate the Islamic concept, mm -hmm. and and also the vice versa. Like you know, I also the the young Muslim generation to uh, to acquire like a proper method uh, to introduce like an you know, Islam to the Japanese audiences. But Doctor Naoki, you know, a, a big thing that uh, I think people a lot of people don't realize today. I think the majority mm -hmm. of people don't realize this is that. Um, anime is global now and mm -hmm. in the west you know particularly among um youth under the age of 30 um 
almost, I would argue, an extremely large number of them are otaku fans. Like uh-huh. a large number of them. So this idea of introducing Islam through anime is not one that's only focused on Japan. This is a global thing. Especially mm-hmm. in the Muslim world, in the Arab world, in Pakistan, in the subcontinent, and here in the West, everybody is watching anime now. And so this message is being sent to everywhere, not just to Japan. And so I feel like this is a medium which is extremely, extremely important to be engaging in because everybody is watching TV. Everybody's watching movies. And we talk now about how Muslims need to be involved in movies and TV shows. But I think Muslims and anime could perhaps do the most, uh, uh, the biggest impact. And, you know, with some of the work that you're doing and, you know, inshallah, we'll talk about um, this could be something which should, which could be revolutionary in our culture because everybody's watching anime. And anime, contrary to what people uh, don't know, anime is also watched by many women as well. It's not solely just these young males that are watching it. It's also these females. And I can attest to it. There are many people in my own family, male and female, who are in love with anime. And so if we can properly introduce these key concepts, if we can show people that Islam and anime, that these themes, these underlying themes within them are not contradictory, but are actually mutual, then I think it could really lead to a profound shift in one's, uh, in one's understanding of how they understand Islam and anime. Uh, yes, yes, so that is my second point. Like, you know, uh, when, I, uh, when I moved to Turkey, I got really surprised. Like, you know, this Turkish young generation, uh-huh. they are more fan about Jap- <laughs> Japanese animation than like an ordinary Japanese. And, and, I, and also I have noticed that I think our parents, you know, I'm the parents of, you know, this uh, young generation, uh, they are a bit afraid that, you know, their children's, are like watching like Japanese animation because they're they're afraid that is there any like bad influences of the children uh, because uh, because there are some like inappropriate scenes in Naruto's or the One Piece or anything. But mm-hmm. first, uh, but uh, but I was to make it clear that I'm not saying that this uh, that I I'm not saying that this Japanese animation can be understood about uh, are delivering the. Uh, Islamic concept. I mean, I'm saying that we can understand this Japanese animation through the Islamic perspective. I'm not saying that you know this Japanese animation 100% like Islam or something. Because, because first of all, it's made by non-Muslims, and 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 non-Muslim don't have to follow like Islamic rules you know, when they create in the contents. Like what I'm saying is that as long as we can acquire like a proper perspective to to watch. Those Japanese animation, even the Japanese animation can be uh, like a content for us to think about our own tradition. Our own tradition means like Islamic tradition. Let me, uh, one of the good examples, for example, Naruto. Like, uh, do, do you remember Iruka Sensei? Yes. First he's, one of Naruto, he's one of Naruto's teachers. Yeah, yeah like Ninja Academy. Like when mm-hmm. he was. Yeah. The, I really love the f- very first episode of Naruto. Uh, like it's it's about the episode that how Naruto become official like a ninja, mm-hmm. uh, right. and the the Naruto had been excluded from like you know the ninja community uh, when, uh, since he was a child, and Iruka Sensei was the only person who uh, who st- who stood with him. But in that episode, eventually he uh, it turns out that the parents of the Iruka got killed by so called 
the uh, kind of like a ghost of the fox, mm-hmm. which which dwells in like Naruto's body, and Iruka Sensei himself, he has like a slight like a grudge against Naruto, so mm-hmm. he was not like a sincere Sensei, but the one one enemy shared this his secret and he tried to kill Naruto, but at the moment like if the Iruka Sensei he he tried to sacrifice himself to protect uh, protect Naruto, and mm-hmm. he confessed his true feeling. For the first time in front of him, and that is the and that is the moment that actually the Iruka Sensei become the true Sensei, even a teacher, and that is the moment that Naruto become like a true discipline of the Iruka Sensei, and this and if you look about the Sufi Sufi literature, uh, uh, the Sheikh and the Murid, you know, this master and the discipleship, like the mutual relationship with the master and disciple, is also one of the main themes. And and if you closely look about this Sufi literature, they're saying that actually master can be the, can be the master when the students accept accept him, and also students are also the vice versa. Like when students become true true students, when master accept him. So actually, this is uh, this is like in the, the uh, like a coin that the head at head and tail will exist like in with the mutual relationship, and and if, and also. Uh, look, uh, if you if you look about the first chapter of the, uh, do you know the Makamat literature? Makamat literature is about the literature about the spiritual ascension of the Muslim, like uh, or the Muslim, like the Dervish, the how they try to reach truth. And first chapter of the Sufi literature is is a Tauba. You know, the Tauba is the very first uh, the door for the Muslim to start the spiritual ascension. And the Tauba is actually the best, is so called like a best companion. Tauba is repentance. Yeah, right? repentance uh, to reach the truth. And the and the Naruto itself in the very first of the chapter start with this Tauba, repentance, mm. you know, the confession of the sensei. And the Naruto also made a Tauba about his like mischievous like you know the behavior. And and so the sensei and the disciple made a Tauba to each other. And mm. and there's another advantage of you. Uh, so I use I use the word tauba in, in instead of in English term repentance because the tauba means you uh, you make mistake and you feel remorse you get regret like it from your own heart and tauba means not just regretting but try to face the right path again and mm. tawab is also the name of the divine you know the Allah like so Allah will also make a tauba this but tau but this tauba means like not not getting regret you mean the face to the one who make the tauba right so mm-hmm. Allah will face face the Muslim again when the Muslim made a true tauba and try to face Allah and and if you look about like manakib uh, manakib literature or makamat literature the Sufi scholar they tells like in you know, millions of story about you know the tauba between the sheikh and the Muri and how the tribe that how the master was also once like unskilled, like a murid who made a mistake. But once he became like a master, the master will accept, you know, the tower of the murid. And so, so they help each other to reach the truth. Mm-hmm. And if you look about the, and not only by Naruto, but uh, have you ever read like Ruroni Kenshin? Uh, like no. Samurai X. So Ruroni Kenshin is also one of my favorite. favorite. I recommend you watch it. Uh, it's about one of the, uh, the assassin in the major um, before the major modernization, so he was assassin for the new government who tried to establish like a modern government in Japanese history. But 
but he joined the new government movement uh, because he believed that it will uh, it will uh, help the uh, the Jap. Uh, how can I say? It will help the, the people who are suffering because of you know the, the samurai government or But but eventually that he learned that actually this new government is also used him as a tool for the assassination. Mm. And he also made, and he also make a huge repentance. And, and he, uh, <clears throat> and because of these uh, experiences, like if this Runoni Kenshin, you know, the Kenshin, the Kenshin become like a vagabond, like the free samurai, you know, who, who, who fight against the, like authority to help the people. So mm -hmm. the, the, the uh, so the first episode, this Runoni Kenshin, is also about like a Tauba. And, and, and when I'm using those called like Arabic, like Arabic terminology, like some people like criticize, criticize me that I'm using like Islamic terminologies to explain about like a non-Muslim content. But also I want to make it clear that, you know, this Tauba or like a, or a spiritual practice is called Suluk or or, or like a sheikh or the murid, like these are not like Islamic vocabulary. Like these are like Arabic vocabulary to articulate the humanity or the spiritual or the spirituality of the human being, which were developed in the Islamic civilization. It means that, for example, like tawab or taba, it was mentioned in the Quran as well. It's mentioned like many you know, times in hadith as well. But but it doesn't mean that these terminology can only can only used in like Islamic context. Like we can articulate uh, spirituality or humanity, explain in other culture with this vocabulary as well. Mm -hmm. Because uh, I think I remember it was like in Akiba Atas, like you know, he talked about like you know semantic confusion. This semantic confusion that now we don't know how to uh, to use those vocabulary, which were mentioned in the Quran and Hadith in the proper time. But uh, I think you know, uh, we can expand you know this problem not not only the understanding of Quran and Hadith, like we are somehow make these terminologies in the uh, no well, now we're using those terminologies in the very narrow sense and some people believe that being like a good muslim or or seeking uh so-called uh religiosity is just like only what uh, only listening like in ashid or like ilahi or just leading like islamic classic or just using so-called islamic bank or or uh just watching like a so-called Islamic, like a pro TV program, but uh, but these are just consuming so-called like Islamic product, like Islamic modern product. But mm -hmm. I believe the more important thing is to acquire the so-called like intellectual perspective, which once exists in Islamic civilization. Like, mm -hmm. uh, sorry, I keep uh, I keep talking actually. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's you know because you, you're bringing up an excellent point on language, language and terms because. Um, from what I've read of uh, the history of every everywhere Islam went, um, mm -hmm. what they would do to if they wanted the religion to spread, what they would do is is, is they would indigenize the religion. Uh -huh. So their first goal was to make sure that the people didn't look at it as something which was alien, right? Mm -hmm. As if this was an Arab religion or if this was you know an uh, a subcontinent religion. And so when they came there. But one of the things they did is they introduced terminology which was relevant or identical with what people were already using to explain the Islamic concepts. So, and for instance, I know you've done some research on this as well, but like in China and Japan, when the Muslims arrived there, 
um, they felt that, especially in China, they felt that Islam was a very alien thing, and the people weren't really uh, the people weren't really receptive to it. And so, mm-hmm. what they did is they started changing the terminology. So, rather than referring to God as Allah, um, they start they use the word Shangti, right, mm-hmm. to refer to the God that is in the heaven, the God that Confucius was referring to, the God that the Chinese had been worshiping for over a millennium. Um, when it came to um, talking about the Prophet wasallam, they didn't call him a prophet, but they referred to him as a sage, right? Mm-hmm. Because in the East Asian tradition, the equivalent of a prophet are sages. Mm-hmm. And so Confucius is not really referred to a prophet. He's actually a sage. But if you read the teachings of Confucius, you know, there's, you know, it's, it's Allahu A'lam, but it's likely he was probably a prophet. Right, mm-hmm. and so they, with, with with the Quran, with with the concept of heaven and hell, they indigenize all the terms and they used it. And once they indigenized it, people didn't see it as being an alien thing because the last thing that people want to do when they take a new religion is completely, radically alter their identity. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to completely alter their identity. They want to see it as as the religion just. Uh, providing them a spirituality and a direction and a purpose. And mm-hmm. so um, I, I know there, you once shared an article on Twitter um, about the history of Islam in Japan and a similar structure happened in Japan. So I think you're, you're touching on an excellent topic of just the importance of the right terminology when explaining the right concepts. And although people may think this doesn't really mean that much, it does go a long way. Like for instance, here in the West, um, I would argue that if we were refer- if we are talking to non-Muslims about Islam, it would be more useful to refer to God not as uh, to, to use the word God instead of the word Allah, mm-hmm. because it's a word they already know. Because in, in a lot of people's minds, they have this idea that uh, Allah is this other God that that the Muslims worship, and uh, everybody else has their own God. But when mm-hmm. you use that terminology of God, it really it really forces people to rethink a lot of the things that they uh, that they've understood. The same is with Sharia, right? If the moment you say the word Sharia to them, people will have like this cognitive dissonance, right? Ah, oh, because of the inter- you know the brainwashing that's been happening through the media propaganda, and when referring to certain aspects of law, just refer to it as commercial law or a marriage law. When you're like kitab nikah or fiqhul buyur, and I think if we are if we if we begin to use our language more correctly, and this is one of the arguments that people like Sheikh Hamza Yusuf have argued, is that if we learn how to use language properly, we'll be able to not only spread this uh, spread this uh, spread Islam, but also we'll be able to come to terms with non-Muslims, and we can share and we can share our similarities with them. So um, I think this is this is an excellent topic that uh, uh, that you're mentioning. Yeah. So, for example, there's another episode in Naruto. The, do you remember, like, Jiraiya-sensei and Orochimaru? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's another, like, you know, there was a fight, you know, between the three, like, legendary ninja. And they were discussing what is the true meaning of ninja. And Orochimaru says that true ninja is those who master the ninja technique, the ninjutsu. He said that, you know, technique, like, power defines the true ninja. And uh, as, like, a couple... As a counter, the Jiraiya sensei, he himself is a little bit like, uh, uh, like a flawed, a uh, little bit like pervert ninja. But the, uh, at the same time, he was really cool. Like, you know, he replied to the Orochimaru, he said, the true ninja is those who can endure the difficulties. 
like because nin actually ninja like ninja is japanese nin means endurance mm. and and with this for example this conversation is the is the good uh, opportunity for parents to start a talk a topic about importance of summer because what is the first message uh, which was sent uh, to like muslim community in the time of the makkah you know those who advise the truth and those who advise the sabr, you know, the endurance to each other. So, uh, and I know, like, you know, there are those who are not familiar with the uh, with the Japanese folk culture, and they always get afraid. You know, they think that you know the some go like toxic, uh, like uh, the ideas of philosophy may flow into our children. But uh, but as long as we know how to uh, open the topic, and, and as long as how how to interpret those content from the Islamic perspective, actually. Actually, we can uh, we can use this as like a best method mm -hmm. to talk about like Islamic concept. And, and as you said, now uh, now there's like millions of billions of young generation that watch Japanese animations. Like, mm -hmm. yep. And and, Jap and Japanese also like you know, they, uh, 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 you know since they this is their own cultures, they, they know the They are also watching like a manga animation. So actually. Uh, there is uh, this is like a linga flanka, like between mm -hmm. like a Japanese Japanese uh, between Japanese community and also like a Muslim community like all over the world. But we are not using this linga flanka or like a, this shared like a ground to communicate each other. Like uh, because as long as we are introducing, for so example, like importance of like uh, uh, like you can talk about importance of prayer or important fasting or uh, or the history of uh, history of Islam, but uh, they, but I, I, but I keep saying that they might be another more effective, uh, like a way, to to share our ideas uh, uh, about like in you know, Islamic spirituality and Japanese spirituality. So I keep saying that that that. So I keep saying that since we don't, uh, we haven't built this new bridge between Japanese culture and Islamic culture. Like both, our both culture keep remain like alien, mm -hmm. and. And and especially for the Muslim community, like in the, uh, that, now we don't know how to use those Arabic vocabulary, which is developed in Islamization. We are make our own tradition alien as well. Hmm. You know, uh, this is a topic, but there is one uh, huge, uh, famous scholar called Biruni, and I, I think everybody knows Biruni who study about Islamic civilization, but he. Author, uh, he wrote one Arabic translation of the Yoga Sutra, you know, the classic of the yoga. Mm -hmm. But, but uh, one of the characteristics of thing is that he didn't he didn't take those yoga practice as I don't know, uh, kind of like entertainment or the sport, which is famous in I don't know, like uh, West Coast of America or something. Like he took this yoga so seriously, and so he used he used those Ar Arabic he used Arabic language. To translate those you know, those classic, and so so that the Muslim community can access them to analyze, you know, what's the, uh, what's the cultural background uh, of the you know, of the Hindu community, and and uh, well, and this another uh, example that you know the uh, this Indonesian wali called Sunan Kalijaga, uh, he was one of the legendary like wali who introduced Islam uh, to the Hindu community. Uh, in the Southeast uh, East Asia, like Indonesia, Malaya Peninsula. And he used 
uh, he used like shadow puppet play to uh, to introduce like an Islamic concept to the Hindu mm -hmm. community. And this is how he convinced the Hindu community that Islam, in, Islam is not something which came from outside of, uh, outside of the world, but there is like shared uh, the shared spirituality. And because of this Sunan Karijaka method, like like thousands of Muslims like converted to Muslim like eventually. Like mm -hmm. uh, what I keep uh, so the one reason I'm saying uh, I'm trying to introduce this in this shonen manga. Now, understanding shonen manga from Islam, Islamic vocabulary, because I want to revive this Biruni and Sunan Karijaga method. Like, first, I'm, I, I want to convince those young generation that Arabic vocabulary is not just so-called Islamic vocabulary in narrow sense. This is one of the best vocabulary to articulate the humanity, not only the Islamic civilization, but other civilization. And the second is that we must acquire, we must admit that there are diversity of method of introducing like introducing Islamic concept, and uh, uh, this is also another good example. Like I am also the student of the Japanese tea ceremony. Uh, do you have a, Do you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know the tea ceremony. It's like preparing like a green tea and so. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. But, but in English, uh, they use uh, they call this tradition as tea ceremony, like tea ceremony. But the original word of this tea ceremony is sado, sa. Do. Sa means chai, chai means tea, and do is come from the Chinese word dao, and mm. dao means path. So actually, uh, the original term of this Japanese Japanese tea ceremony is the path of tea. So this path is not just like a street or a street on the road. Uh, this is like path to reach the truth. So this is a spiritual path to reach the truth through serving serving the guests with, uh, with like a green tea mm -hmm. so this is the you know uh, uh so this is like a main actually aim the true aim of this tea ceremony tradition but if if we call this tradition as tea ceremony it sounds like i don't know it's like a tea party like just trying to try to entertain ourselves like it doesn't uh like a grasp the original uh like a nuance but in Arabic language, we have the exactly like the same word which can express this spirituality, like tariqa. Mm -hmm. Like tariqa means like a path, but not only a path; it's the path to reach the truth. And 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 we we call the practice of kind of like a spiritual tradition in Japan as gyo. Gyo means means like going to somewhere through practicing, but practice means just like. A, Practice means action in original sense, but in Arabic term, we uh, we also have an exactly same word uh, to uh, as this uh, like a gyo. It means a suduk, suduk. Like sarika means like going, but mm -hmm. it's not just going. It means like a spiritual practice. So in this sense, actually, uh, the Arabic vocabulary has more advent, uh, more like advantage, uh, or it means, or I can say Arabic vocabulary. Has much potential to understand like a true, uh, like a true uh, understand like a true meaning of the Japanese uh, like a Japanese tradition. Mm -hmm. And when we look about like a Japanese shonen manga, like they are also using like the same vocabulary, because because they are talking about Jap uh, like they are talk they are using like Japanese terminologies and also. Uh, <clears throat> so, what what I want to say is that the if. Like what? Uh, what? 
is, uh, what should we do is just, we should revive this cultural or the linguist, linguistic richness of the Islamic civilization to, uh, to look again like an other civilization. Mm-hmm. And, and this is also helpful, like non-Muslim Japanese audiences as well, as well, because as you said, now media is talking uh, using the word like Sharia or like a, or, or or like a jihad, as like really like a, uh, in like a terrifying like manner. Like, you know, mm-hmm. They they using this to just like you know uh, make the Japanese get scared because, but uh, but uh, but actually. That if you really look carefully about our own tradition, we have like same like a spiritual vocabulary. So it means that, like, uh, like the the problem is that how we are trying to introduce introduce those Islamic like a concept. Mm-hmm. And you know, a, a very important thing we have to keep in mind um, is that uh, there's a lot of rebrainwashing we have to do. Right. What happened in uh, post 9-11 with this massive billion dollar uh, propaganda campaign against Islam, again, had a global impact everywhere. So although mm-hmm. 9-11 happened in the U.S. and in the West, uh, they were largely concerned with it. It's, it's interesting to see even in Japan, people have these negative stereotypes about Islam. And so we have to re-brainwash people away uh, back. And one of the ways we could be we could do that is like you mentioned is is refocusing our terminology, right? Mm-hmm. We're trying to redefine things. And one of the interesting things is, um, you know, you mentioned why people are being receptive to this. Well, the idea is that everybody is receptive to virtue, mm-hmm. right? Like we believe in virtue ethics, and that's why when you watch something like a Naruto or another anime, which isn't perfect, but which carries many of these lessons. Um, they are a profound way of conveying these uh, perennial meanings to society. And I'll give you an excellent example, Dr. Naoki, and I think you'll love this. Mm-hmm. Um, I was once speaking to my brother, and my brother is a very massive anime friend, a fan, very massive. And so I once asked him, I said, you know, you've seen thousands upon thousands of episodes within anime, like thousands of thousands. You spent triple more time than i've spent time on anime what was the point of it all mm-hmm. you know imagine if you had actually put your time to use what you could have learned and the lessons you could have learned and he said something which which i wasn't expecting and it kind of it kind of blew my mind he said you know there's a scene in naruto mm-hmm. where naruto is fighting this villain um uh, uh nagato right um, and the villain destroys the entire town. Uh, yes. Destroys the entire town. And he kills almost everybody in the town. So this is like a full genocide. And Naruto defeats him. And he approaches him. Uh, and he begins to speak to him. And he says, despite the fact that you have destroyed my town. Despite the fact that you have massacred all my people. I will forgive you. Because my sensei, my teacher, my sheikh taught me that if that the cycle of violence, the cycle of hatred will only end if one person, uh, if one person breaks that cycle by just asking for forgiveness and not taking revenge. And so my brother taught me what my brother told me is he said, the lesson I learned is that 
with this cycle of hatred, somebody has to break it. And so the, op the, the option is not to go back because this person has oppressed me, then now I'm going to oppress him. But rather, it's that be because what happened is when Nagato was a child, Naruto's village had destroyed his own village and killed his parents in front of him. And so he turned that cycle of hatred and he destroyed Naruto's town. And so now Naruto was in a position to destroy him. But he said, I'm going to take the option of peace. Right. And I think that's exactly, exactly what happened when the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam conquered Mecca. Mm, is yes. that when, when he entered Mecca, he had every right to take his revenge on the people who had killed his, uh, killed his family, uh, persecuted them, boycotted them, uh, tortured them. Of all the harms that they, that they did to him, the, the Prophet had the authority, he had the right motive of asking of, 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 of revenge, but he didn't. And he chose forgiveness. Why? Because somebody has to break this cycle. And you find the same similarity in the story of Yusuf alayhi salam, the Prophet Joseph, where his brothers had done all this wrong, wrong to him. His brothers had almost killed him. They were the reason why he was enslaved. They were the reason why he was sent to prison. They were the reason why he had to suffer for so many years. But when he was finally in that position as the minister, as the, as the finance minister of Egypt, where he could have had them executed, he could have had them exiled, he could have not given them bread and resources when needed, he chose to forgive them as well. And so I think that that hallmark of forgiveness, which the Quran repeatedly calls for, is I think something that you can find within these animes and show that the reason why people love these, so, the, so when somebody watches like that scene in Naruto and they praise it, you can just let them know, well, this is, this is a virtue from the Islamic tradition. This is a virtue found in the Quran. And then it will really make them rethink about how they understand the Quran and how they understand these lessons. So I think, um, I think you know, like, like the story you just mentioned of Iroko Sensei, if we can mention these stories to people, to people who are anime fans around the world, I think it can get them interested in Islam. Yeah, yeah it's true. And... Uh, these are not a favorite episode. Yeah, what was it? Like, uh, uh, so it was a demon slayer too. Like, but uh, before that, you know, for example, like the important thing is that Naruto was able to make the choice because he had a sensei. You know, he had a master. Mm -hmm. And and when we compare it to like in Western uh, Western like movies or entertainment, I think this is what missing. For example, the have you watched the new? New, new uh, series of Star Wars, episode seven, episode eight, and episode nine. Oh, have you have you watched any Star Wars movie? Yeah, yeah, I've seen, yeah, yeah, I've seen some of them. Okay, so uh, actually, I also Star Wars Otaku too, but I'm really disappointed with the new series, like from episode seven to episode nine, because the class, the uh, like prequel series or the main or the main series of the Star Wars, like episode one to episode six. The one of the main topic of Star Wars about mastership and discipleship. You know, the Jedi always take like a disciple, uh, and they they try to teach like so called like truth of the, of the Force uh, through like this uh, master and disciple relationship. But the with Episode Seven, you know, the new series uh, they put a new protagonist called Rey, is a female like a, a main character, uh, but somehow she became like a stronger Jedi in the history of Star Wars without any masters or without any guidance. Like, 
uh, I think this is how the, the some of the Western entertainment try to depict uh, so-called new model of uh, I can say like femininity or I can say or femaleship so that 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 they can be they can surpass like masculinity because because they're female right like there's no reason that the way I'm not I'm not criticizing like, the, the femaleness but what what I'm seeing missing is that they don't they don't explain that why Ray become like a strongest Jedi. Mm -hmm. But Naruto, why Naruto became that strong? Because he had a guidance. Because he got an education. He digested his experiences with the support of the, of the sensei, not only Iruka sensei or Kakashi sensei or Jirai sensei. It's like, there is the genealogy of this ethic, you know, the Akhtak. And this is what, you know, Japanese, Japanese, the Japanese manga is trying to depict. For example, the one piece too luffy has not the master but luffy has like shanks you know the red red hair shanks yeah, yeah. That yeah. he coming like a speech or like a big brother for him and mm -hmm. because because of him like he like he, he was able to continue his journey like he get and demon slayer is also same like a tanjiro in a protagonist actually the uh, he is not like a strongest character in the series but uh but he was able to confront the difficulties because of the guidance of the companions, the support of the companions, and also his sensei, like Urokodaki sensei. Mm -hmm. And Hunter Hunter is also the same. Like in, uh, there was always like a master, like a master, the like people who are in the, in the position, the master who try to guide guide the character. But when we try, but when I see the, the modern Western entertainment, like the uh, there's no teacher. Yeah, there's no teacher, and there's no uh, there's no like genealogy. And without the genealogies, like what is the point of the, the human history? And what is the point of, you know, what is the important, and, and without the genealogy, you know, there is no importance of like being a teacher and there's no importance of being, uh, being a student. Like, it means like, like uh, we are the best because we are, we exist here. Like, and so in this way, actually traditional Japanese culture and Islamic, and, and Islamic civilization has the common uh, like a common ground because in Islamic civilization as well, like not reading a book or just practicing is not enough. Like what is important is study under the under the master and to inherit the citizen, you know, the uh, this uh, uh, the chain of the mm -hmm. uh, uh, of the knowledge like Edom, uh, which which come down from the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu and you know, you know, you know, Doctor Naoki. You know, a thing that's very interesting is when you study the hero's archetype, right? Because the hero has an archetypical journey. When you really analyze it, not only so. So, so there was a, there's a famous book called A Hero with a Thousand Faces, yes. uh, and it's written by a man, uh, uh, Joseph Campbell. And what he did in that book is he analyzed hundreds of hundreds of cultures, and he studied their hero's archetype. Because he wanted to know, is our understanding of the hero something that each society has their own perception of? Or is it something that is the same within all cultures? Yes. And what he found in his extraordinary book is that all these societies generally have the same hero's archetype. Mm -hmm. that, that the hero's archetype is that there is a boy, it's usually a boy, um, who comes from a broken family. He's usually an orphan. He's usual, or if he's not an orphan, his father is not in his life. Um, he doesn't really have a strong support system, and he begins to rebel. 
and he has a teacher. Mm-hmm. And with his teacher, he has a period where he has to leave the town and go on this journey and acquire these new abilities. And when he acquires these new abilities, he comes back home and he uses those abilities to defeat the villain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you, if you take the instance of Naruto, Naruto perfectly fits this bill because yeah. Naruto is born as orphan. He comes from a broken family. There, like there, there is no family. He's raised all alone himself. The society, uh, you know, has kind of ostracized him, um, and he's all alone. And he's raised by the village. And what, what's interesting, Doctor Naoki, is when we study the hero's archetype, he's usually, uh, he's usually, uh, he's usually, uh, the people looking after him are the village. So where are Naruto's parents? Where are Luffy's parents? Right? Where are Ichigo's parents? Where are these parents? And where is the Prophet Wasallam's parents, right? The Prophet never had met his father and his mother had died early on. So then you get raised in the village. And then after that, as they grow up, there's this period where they, where they have to leave town or they have to leave the area to acquire their ability. So Naruto goes on his journey with Jiraiya to acquire his ability. Uh, Luffy will go with Rayleigh and spend some time with him outside of the world and acquire his ability. Um, with uh, with the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he leaves town and has to go into the cave. And when he goes into the cave, when he's away from town, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, that's where he gets the ability of revelation, right? And then once you get that ability, you have to come back and use it. So the Naruto comes back to the leaf village, uh, uh, and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam comes back to town. Luffy takes that two two or three year hiatus, but he comes back. And now that they have the new ability, now they need to fight the villain. So Naruto has to fight Orichimaru. Naruto has to fight Yamato. Uh, or Luffy has to fight Blackbeard. And the Prophet wasallam has to go against the pagans. Right? And the interesting thing about the hero's archetype is that the hero's teacher usually dies. Uh, yes. This is a very important thing. And it, this is really a spoiler alert for any TV show or things that you will watch. But the hero's teacher or like um, a, a pivotal figure, uh, elder figure in the, te- in the student's life dies. So, mm-hmm. not for, I mean, it's a spoiler alert, but Naruto loses Jiraiya. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Naruto loses Jiraiya. Um, the Prophet loses Abu Talib, right? The person who was taking care after him, the one who was, uh, who, uh, who, who, the one who was taking care of him. Um, and then another interesting thing is that the hero... Um, uh, always has a, a, a good ending. Mm-hmm. The hero story, and you know, if you look at the Quran, almost every single story of any prophet always ends in a good story. With mm-hmm. I think the exception of Prophet Yahya or John, every prophet usually wins. Yusuf wins at the end of the day. Musa wins at the end of the day. The Prophet ﷺ wins at the end of the day. In these TV shows, Luffy won at the end of the day. Ichigo won. Uh, uh, Naruto won. Right. So there are all these different interesting things that you find within it. And also this notion of the hero at the ending forgiving his opponents. Mm-hmm. Like we mentioned, Naruto forgave uh, Yamato, um, the Prophet forgiving the Quraysh. Um, so, and, and another just last interesting thing, which is very fascinating, is the hero is always, is always predicted by a great figure. Mm-hmm. So there's always a great figure who predicts that there will be this great hero that will come in the future and will rectify everything. Mm-hmm. And so in Naruto, you have the Sage of Six Paths, 
who tells, you know, all the demons, uh, the tail demons that, you know, a hero will come who will, will unite you all. Uh-huh. Right. In Luffy, you have Gold Roger. Um, you know, this is like a, for those who are not caught up with One Piece, but Gold Roger saying that there will be this hero that's going to come or Whitebeard before he dies. He tells everybody that this hero is going to come who's going to overthrow everything. Mm-hmm. And with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he was predicted by many figures in the Old Testament. Uh, Musa Alayhi Salam, the Prophet Moses, said that God will send upon you a new prophet like, like myself. Mm-hmm. And he will rectify you and take care of you. And all of the prophets talked about the final prophet coming. So I think that that perhaps is the most interesting thing about the hero's archetype is that they're always predicted. And so any TV show, any action TV show you really watch, you if you really pay attention, um, you will be able to pick up all of these different archetypes, but also you'll learn a lot of spoilers as well. So, um, for instance, in One Piece right now, uh, Luffy's head teacher, Shanks or Rayleigh, none of them have died yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but because you know the hero's archetype, it's pretty likely that one of them will die. Allah yes, Allah. it's a predictable, <laughs> yeah. right? Especially Shanks. But th- these are uh, these are very interesting concepts that I think um, people of all different cultures use when they mm-hmm. want to tell their stories. And the same things you can find them in the Quran. Uh, yes, and uh, and also. Another important thing is that have you watched Doctor Strange? It's like a Marvel hero movie. I know Doctor Strange, but I haven't seen it. Okay, so for example, like in Doctor Strange, you know they follow like similar archetype of the hero narrative. Like Doctor Strange also have like his master, and he died in her series. But for that, you know they follow the, in the follow the format. But after he lost his master, somehow he became one of the strongest magician uh, in that series. But how come? Like, how is possible? Because some of the Western movies, they don't depict this process, you know, this process of digesting experiences, you know, process of, you know, spiritually, spiritually elevating themselves. But if you look at shonen manga, there is no care. I mean, the, the first level, uh, like, you know, uh, the good, good one, I mean, I mean the, uh, if you look at the shonen manga, there is no character who suddenly become the strongest the character in the series, like there was always there, there was always every uh, there's the, every moment there's important like a uh, there's an important moment so the protagonist to confront the difficulty. But mm-hmm. as thanks for the guidance of the master, like he he or she was able to di- digest the experiences. Mm-hmm. And this is also uh, we must uh, as a Muslim we must forget about this uh, the importance of like process for facing because. Now we have lots of so-called um, like Muslim like preachers or uh, Muslim intellectual who talks about uh, like Islamic virtues or like or like Islamic concept as if they are, they are masters. Well, but uh, we must say that we never talk about something without the authority of the master. But in this case, that I mean, we are not following the master blindly. I mean, the sincere masters who have enough courage. To walk, walk with us, walk with us together mm-hmm. to reach the truth. So this absence of the master, the mastership and discipleship, is kind of uh, is like a modern plague which is living not only not only in the west in the western world but in Jap- in Japan as well. Like now, 
our shonen manga is still preserving this traditional virtue, but in the modern society, modern Japanese society, we don't have that kind of speech masters anymore. So no. the shonen manga is it's beautiful, but still it's a fiction. But if you look about the Muslim country, like even though there are so many difficulties and problems, uh, we have like non-fictional heroes in the history and even today as well. But but we are neglecting those uh, those beauty of our community. Like, for example, now I live in Istanbul. Like, uh, like I found like a real Jiraiya or the Kakashi or Iruka senseis. Like, it's more than a thousand, and they are giving those Islamic education without asking anything. You know, they are literally sacrificing their lives. And if you look at the history of history of Islamic civilization, we have lots of you know the heroes who 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 sacrifice themselves to guide their disciples. With a look at Omar Mukhtar, like he's a real hero. Look at Sunan Karijaga or Sunan Kudus in Indonesia, or in China, there's a scholar called Ma Lianyuan. Uh, he uh, he tried to like, revive like traditional Islamic education in the 20th century. And look at look at the history of Pakistan, look at the history of Bangladesh, or look at the history of even in modern Europe as well. Now we have like real sensei. It's really difficult to find, but uh, but they are like gems of our community. And but what is really uh, unfortunate about the uh, or the Muslim living, including me today, is that the that we don't we don't take it seriously. So why 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 am I believing that the shonen manga is important for Muslim? Because shonen manga. Uh, is actually help them to realize that in Muslim community they are still like a living legend, mm-hmm. and so in in Japan we can only find this hero in just uh, in the manga, but in the Muslim community you can find in your own community, mm-hmm. and this is what I want I want Muslim not forget about this because like through the modernization your know, Japanese lost their tradition so our tradition now in, only remains in shonen manga. Like mm-hmm. we are trying to preserve, we are trying to maintain a spiritual narrative or storytelling or our uh, concept of ideals of heroes, but we don't know how to revive it because now we don't have the real one. But in the Muslim country, that even though there's so there's so huge impact of a secularization or westernization or modernization, but as long as you can acquire or as soon as you recognize the importance of it, and as long as you can acquire the popular proper vocabulary to articulate articulate it. But as long as you have the strong method to apply in, in your own community, like you have, you still have potential to to not only maintaining but develop this tradition into the next level. And through this, you can show the Japanese community like new dimensions. Like you can show Jap- now, so you can tell your Japanese friend that now you have the real Kakashi Sensei, that you have a real Tomio, like mm-hmm. a Tomio Kakiyo. You you really have the shanks. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the biggest advantage of, the, of of being Muslim community. Like this is what I think. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you know, it, that's a beautiful point because if you, one of the things what happens is when you study the different archetypes, is that you can then see people who fit into those archetypes. And so you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, the the archetype of the sheikh of the teacher. Um, you can see many people out there who really embody that archetype. Mm-hmm. So these are not figures who are solely in the books. You know, like we read about the past, the great scholars of the past. No, these people are living figures today. They, they fit the archetype of people that we have today. 
And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, Dr. Naoki, whenever you and your friends watch uh, anime, you always talk up, you always try identifying yourself with specific characters, mm-hmm. right? People, I mean, this is just a habit of human psyche. They say, oh, you know, you resemble Shanks or you're resembling Naruto, right? That's like who you, uh, who you are. And what's interesting about that is what they're saying is that you fit the archetype of that character, mm-hmm. right? You fit that archetype. So when somebody says, oh, you know, you're like Naruto, they're saying that they see the leader, the, 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 the features of a leader within you, right? Mm-hmm. When they say, oh, you are something, you're someone like Shanks, right? They think that you're somebody who's a very physical, strong, masculine person, mm-hmm. right? And so the archetypes, like you mentioned, in the shows are also real people as well. And real people fit it. And this idea of the student-teacher relationship, right? Confucius talked about the five most uh, the five most important relationships in all of society. And he believed that if any of these relationships were broken down, society would collapse. And one of the relationships, I believe, was the student-teacher, mm-hmm. right? And you're saying in Japanese culture, there's no idea now of the student-teacher role. Well, that's going to lead to major problems because now when youth are confronted with major problems about life, who are they going to turn to? Who are they going to get advice from? Who are they going to get these moral principles from? Right. Right. Where are they going to get wisdom from? Right. Wisdom is within the teachers, within people who have experience. Um, And I think also, which is what Confucius was talking about, about those five relationships. He said the most important relationship in all of society is the relationship between the father and the son. Mm-hmm. And he argued that if that relationship was broken, all of society would collapse. Mm-hmm. And looking at you know our society today, the relationship between the father and son is, has been completely broken. And our statistics revealed that when children don't have that fatherly figure in their life, they usually are the ones who are behind crimes. Right. And so what one thing. So so in anime. Right. Right. Where are all the fathers? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Where, where are all the fathers? They, because the hero, the hero's archetype, the hero never has a, a strong family. I cannot think of a single anime that I have seen where the main character has a father and a mother who are healthy, normal people and who are advising them. Can you think of one? Father. Think, well, eventually Naruto find out that he was really loved by the parents during the last episode, but I don't see if there's an archetype. We have even even the Pokemon video game series. They pro, they are uh, the protagonist uh, doesn't have the father right now, usually. Right? Yeah. They only yeah. have the mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. interesting. I never think about this. It's, 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 so why why is it so? My my question is is did these people randomly? Just uh, did these people, you know, study all the different literature and say, oh, you know, because the hero's archetype doesn't have a father, we're not going to do it. Or is this something they just arrived at? Right. Mm -hmm. How is it like Campbell mentions in his book that all these different societies, they just when they were writing about the hero story, they they wrote about the same thing. And I would argue that it's probably because these ideas come from revelation. Because if you look at the Quran, now let's look at the Quran, Dr. Naoki. Right? Where is Musa salam's father? Where is the father of Ibrahim salam? Right? Uh, there's a difference of opinion whether or not uh, that's his father or his uncle who's calling him to uh, Id- idolatry. But where is he? Yusuf salam had his father, but he was separated. Very early on, he was separated from his father. And 
he had no contact with him until he found him in the ending, mm-hmm. right? So where are where are these fathers in these stories? It's a very interesting question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Right. Well, yeah. Another to- another topic is that the uh, I think the also Japanese shonen manga, some of the animations uh, can can show the uh, proper female leadership comparing to the like Amer- modern American movies, I think. Like, have you watched Mononoke, Princess Mononoke? Like, Ghibli animations. Oh, oh, then I recommend you watch the whole yeah, Miyaz- Hayao Miyazaki animation as well. Uh, there's, there's a movie called like Princess Mononoke, and the protagonist is a female. And as I said, like, you know, for example, new series of Star Wars also put the female character as a protagonist. But when I, was, when I watched like modern American movies or even animations, uh, they, the, uh, they trying to show the strong female leaders uh, in, a, in a way that some of these characters embodied like a toxic, backward, masculine, paternalistic like, you know, characters. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, like actually, it's not female character. Actually, it's the character who embodies those mas- the backward masculinity. And that's the thing that they, they can depict a strong, for example, female leadership. But if you look about the you know, Japanese animation, especially the Hayao Miyazaki film, like that you can see like a real strong and independent and intellectual female character, which is different from the male character. Like they can try to embody the something which can only like female character like, like a show. And it says, uh, as you said, that there are so many like you know, female, you know, Muslim fans about Japanese manga animation, right? Like, like so in this sense, like in this, the Japanese animation can be inspirational. To those uh, uh, to those generations as well, like being strong, not mean like it embodies those like a, like paternalistic masculinities. Like in, there is like a, a unique or a special feel that only like female protagonists can uh, you know can play, and this is also can same apply to the real society as well. Like there there is a something that we like male can do it, and there's also can, uh, the female can do it. Like, and also the other gender as well. So in this way, like in Japanese Japanese animation are in some sense a more forward, like more develop developed than in modern uh, modern like Western or American context. Mm-hmm. Like like so, even look at Naruto's or like One Piece as well. Female characters also really strong and independent, and they were mm-hmm. also sensei. And look at the relationship between Tsunade and also Sakura in Naruto. Mm-hmm, so, yeah, also a strong reader, and actually he and she also work as Hokage, you know, the leader of the village. And Tsunade mm-hmm. herself is also the sensei of the Sakura. And she also inherited his special ninjutsu to Sakura. Mm-hmm. And before, before becoming the stu- disciple of the, uh, the master Tsunade, like Sakura also, like she has a little bit like less, uh, less confidence. And, uh, and she, she likes Sasuke, but she, she didn't know how to express her feelings. And she was a little bit like you know, uh, uh, you know, dependent like a character. But after like sincere training with Tsunade, like she became really strong and, f- and uh, firm, uh, like like independent character who can even help like Naruto and Sasuke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So right. sh- shonen means like young boy. So shonen manga means a young boy comic. But actually, shonen manga is not only for the boys, but also the female. Like, mm-hmm. and and Demon Slayer. Uh, 
Are you watching Demon Slayer series? Or? I saw a little bit of Demon Slayer. Okay, so Demon Slayer is also there are there are many characters who are stronger than Tanjiro protagonist as well. Okay, and One Piece is also same like Nami or uh, who is that character I forgot, you know, uh, archaeologist. Uh, Robin. Oh yeah, Robin like that. With Nami and Robin and also the a master of the uh, who is that? Uh, you know the deer. Uh, chop, or something like that. Not okay. A chopper, 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 chopper. Yeah, with that sensei of the chopper, she was also female, female doctor. Mm -hmm. So there are there are many like female like master as well in the shonen manga. Mm -hmm. Yes. So in this sense, shonen mangas are like more diverse. Mm -hmm. yeah. So this is another like a big advantage right, that you know the uh, or lesson that we can learn uh, mm -hmm. from, uh, you know. The Japanese version as well, but what, so, what, what, what I keep saying is that you know, don't don't just stuck in the Japanese Japanese stuck in or just focus on reading Japanese manga or animation only. But what I say is that when we read Japanese manga or animation, try to remember what is the equivalence or the counterparts in the Islamic civilization, because as I said, uh, what is what is essential essential is acquired perspective. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, Dr. Naoki, as we're heading to the conclusion of the podcast, um, I just want you to uh, talk about maybe, we talked about some of the works that uh, you've been doing. Um, maybe also talk to us about how popular your work has gotten, um, because I know it's become qu uh, quite popular as well. And maybe, you know, talk about the, um, the, the, the anime studio that you're working with as well, and just some glimpse into some of the work that you're actually doing. Okay, so I have successfully finished the uh, Shueisha series about introduction, introduce introduction to the Sawo uh, through manga concept, Ahamalinda. And the, the book will be published uh, in this year or the early next year, I think. And I'm trying to uh, translate uh, this series into English as well, like for, uh, for the like Muslims uh, audiences in English speaking early as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm and I am also uh, now uh, organizing the Japanese tea ceremony workshop in Istanbul as well. But this is also another uh, uh, part of my project that that to show to the Muslim students that uh, it is possible to articulate those Japanese spirituality with Arabic vocabularies, also called like Islamic vocabulary, right? Arabic vocabulary dropped in Islamic civilization. So my big aim is that that even though the East Asia has a long history or in uh, or has long history of the interaction with the Islamic civilization, like somehow we are in like a collective amnesia. It means like we forgot in this tradition. Like like there are so many like Muslim scholars who were who are uh, in, explaining those Islamic ideals with East Asian vocabularies. And there was a mutual connection with it actually between East Asian Muslim community with, with the other region, like South Asian Muslim communities or like Middle mm -hmm. East or the or Arab Muslim communities. But now, uh, especially after the modernization, this interaction was cut and, and we don't have 
uh, we don't have enough like interaction. And what I'm doing is that not only introducing shonen manga, but I'm also trying to introduce in this Japanese culture to the Muslim audiences to to uh, to rediscover like a spiritual connection between East Asia and Islamic civilization. And also now I'm now I'm introducing the East Asian Islamic classics mm -hmm. uh, to the English audiences as well. But, but not only as like academic like inquiries, but the, as the literature uh, which can which Muslim can benefit from. Like for example, there is the famous book uh, written by uh, the Muslim Chinese Muslim scholar called uh, Jin Tianzu, and he also the book titled the Eliminating the Doubts Against Islam. Uh, it was written in the uh, it's twentieth century, I think. Yeah, 20th, no, 19th century. Mm -hmm. I think 19th century. Uh, I wrote one introductory article in the in the website called Traverse, Traversing Tradition. Uh, but it was it was considered one of the first book which which was written for like a non-Muslim to explain about Islam. Because he was in the uh, because he lived like a Muslim minority in the Chi in the Chinese uh, elite community. And he faced lots of so-called like Islamophobic, like you know, the attitude toward mm -hmm. normal Islam. So, in this sense, actually, now we talk when we talk about like Chinese Muslim or the Islam in China, we will talk about like oppression of the Chinese government or yeah. the problem with the problem with the Communist Party. Like, uh, I mean, it, it is also like a fact. We must not forget it, but we must not just victimize ourselves only. Like, there are some like Chinese Muslim scholar who try to answer the same or who try to confront with the same problem that what we are facing in Europe or in Japan, like living as a Muslim minority and who fight against the Islamophobia. Like here, it means like these Chinese Muslim, East Asian like Muslim, Muslim scholar were also like our sensei, you know, our master, you know, we can learn from them. So. So what I'm trying to do is that as long as we can uh, we can build so this kind of intellectual bridge between East Asia and the Muslim community, like we can, yeah, we can learn that we are not alone, and also that we can produce something new. But, but now I'm just telling that 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 we can understand like Japanese like pop culture from Islamic perspective, but also we can encourage our next generation to produce like Islamic manga or Islamic anime series, mm -hmm. like. Not, not just trying to tell uh, the non-Muslim that Islam is a true religion thing, that we can try to show how those Islamic vocabulary or Islam or Islamic art can depict the the depths of humanity. Mm -hmm. And not just like not just like a religious doubt or something. Like we can uh, we can create a content content which can depict the beautifulness of this world or, or the or the uh, like a uh, uh, complicity, the how the human uh, uh, or the detail of the humanity in our own Islamic perspective, and and I believe that once we could create that kind of product, that uh, we can say that you know Islamic civilization can reach to like a next level. Like mm -hmm. now, now, for example, like also I mean academia, but I can understand. But you know now. Sometimes we are, we are stuck ourselves to dealing with like an Orientalism or like a prejudice or like Islamophobia. But this is also important. But this, uh, but as long as we engage in those things, that we we become passive, we're just responding to like the you know, actions. 
But what is more important is that we need to produce something for, uh, from our uh, from our resources in you know, for our traditions. Uh, mm -hmm. so, uh, so I believe that only this way, you know, we can acquire our like in the, uh, we can acquire our true independency, and we can or we can acquire a true like self confidence, a self confidence as like a Muslim intellectual. Mm -hmm. Exactly, and I think we are. Um the the door that Muslims really need to be going through today is the door of culture. And I think going through a path like anime is something that can reach large numbers. And just lastly, I don't know if you got a chance to watch the movie um called um the, the Muslim the Muslim anime created by Saudi Arabia called The Journey or Rihla. Mm -hmm. Did you get a chance to watch it? Yeah, I watched it. Uh what did you think of it? Well, uh Personally, I didn't, I mean, it was a good challenge, but mm -hmm. I think there's much to improve. But the, uh, if I can make a comment on this, but the, uh, you know, I humbly advise Muslim artists to produce something which is not related to like a prophetic stories. Because uh, I, because the, this is my personal vision, but the, I believe I believe the Quran and Hadith or the story of Prophet are very secret. It means really sensitive things because that if we happen to depict something wrongly about the Prophet, like in, uh, we will be, uh, we will be questioned in the Yamul Kiyama. So, well, but what I would like to see from like a Muslim community is that I want, uh, for example, I want to see more like a like a heroes in Islamic in Islamic history, like Omar Mukhtar or I don't know in Turkey. Uh, like Mustafa Sabri Effendi, he was the, one of the last Ottoman alim mm -hmm. in the end of the Ottoman Empire, or the Sunan Karijaka or Sunan Kudus. Like, there are like, a, like a billions of the Islamic scholars, or the Wali, or the Shuyuf, who contributed to develop, you know, the Islamic civilization. And what is quite unfortunate is that, like, now uh, somehow, like, we are, uh, how can I say? They, and these, you know, I believe that these, uh, as I said, these, you know, legendary figures, they embody those Islamic virtues. And, and as I said, if, if, uh, if we aim to make a dawah, uh, to not, to both like Muslim audiences or non-Muslim audiences, like, you don't have to talk about like a chronic stories. You don't have to talk about like a how stories. Like sometimes just one sincere person now, I mean, just to introduce a story of the sincere figure who are trying to embody, like even one message of the Quran can be like, it can have the impact mm -hmm. for non-Muslim to know about Islam. So, uh, for example, like, you know, before, uh, uh, it's like when I become Muslim, uh, I have little knowledge about Quran. I have little knowledge about, knowledge about Hadith because I, uh, at the time I was not able to read Arabic anyway. But, but, but this, you know, but the story of you know the author you know the book I mentioned, her name is Habiba Nakata. You know, uh, she she passed away like uh, uh, I think fourteen years ago. But even one life of this female Japanese scholar had an impact for me to mm -hmm. accept Islam. So in this sense, you know, uh, you know, I want the Muslim community to believe in this humanity of the Islamic civilization or the human power. Right? Mm -hmm. And I think I think th yeah, reviving our our heroes and our leaders, 
um, is one way that can uh, not only you know awaken us, but also um, be a means for bringing people into the faith. So, um, you know, thank you so much, Doctor Naoki, for your time. It was a it was a pleasant conversation. Um, I think you're one of the few people that I can actually speak to about the relationship between Islam and anime. Usually, you have all the guys who want to talk about just anime. Then you have all the people who just want to talk about Islam. But to find someone who can who I can speak to on the middle ground between the two was definitely very interesting. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you very much. Like, actually, I, I, uh, I can talk about the detail of each episode, but it took like three or four hours. This <laughs> time <laughs> <laughs> I already talked yeah. about the introduction. <laughs> yeah, maybe one day we might need a series. Um, yeah. But uh, we, we'd love to talk to you if you ever have any other topics or concerns uh you're always welcome on the show so thank you so much dr naoki thank you very much and we will uh we will link all of dr naoki's works and publications um uh in the comment section uh so feel free to look at his stuff it's it's, it's very amazing stuff but um thank you everybody for joining uh we really appreciate it we will see you at our next episode inshallah assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh